You're listening to a podcast from West Wind Church. For more information, visit our website at westwindchurch.org. Well, good morning. How are y'all doing? Oh, so good. I love that. Um, so let's flip over to chapter, uh, chapter six in Acts. And we're going to continue on where Pastor Keith had his last week. Uh, and into, like he was praying into the story of Stephen. And so this is what I, I don't know if this is a good way to say it. Maybe I'm you know, being mean to Stephen, but it's like his 15 minutes of fame. You don't hear a whole lot about him in the, the word, but here he is in these next two chapters. And his story is pretty amazing. And there's a reason that Luke said this guy needs to be noted. And we even saw that last week out of the first few verses in chapter 6 that he was the first in the list of the deacons, the the servants of the church uh, that were there. And a lot of it and all of it was because he was a man of faith and a Holy Spirit. And he's the only one out of the seven that was chosen that they gave that kind of note. So there's something going on in in Stephen's life that is is important to pay attention to. So I want to dive into that. So let me read. We're going to be in verse 8, and we're going to go down through verse 15 uh, this week. And let me read that, and then we'll get going. And it starts here, verse 8, chapter 6, Acts. And Stephen, full of grace and power, was doing great wonders and signs among the people. Then those, some of those who belonged to the synagogue of the freemen, as it was called, and of the Cyrenians and the Alexandrians and of those of Sicilia and Asia, rose up and disputed with Stephen. But they could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit with which he was speaking. Then they secretly instigated men who said, Said, we have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. And they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes, and they came upon him and seized him and brought him before the council. And they set up false witnesses who said, this man never ceases to speak words against this holy place, speaking of the temple and the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and will change the customs that Moses delivered to us. And gazing at him, all who sat in the council saw that his face was like the face of an angel. Stephen's got a beautiful picture right here that we have. Uh, and we're going to dive into this in a second. I've had the privilege of uh, traveling around the world and to do lead and, and pastor missions trips and even lead worship a little bit around the world. And it's just fun. Like, if you've never left the United States, let me encourage you, when the opportunity arises again, get on a plane and go someplace. Get on a boat. And here's my other encouragement. Don't go to, like, Cozumel. I mean, that's great, I'm sure. I've never been. Like, Cabo, I'm sure it's awesome, too. Or, like, wherever, Jamaica. I don't know where you go. But... Go to like other places in the world, like beyond places that go farther than seven hours on a plane. Let's say that way, because there's some beautiful things, amazing cultures that our world embraces. And so I've had the privilege to go. And every time I go, I've had the privilege to preach, which preaching is hard enough. I mean, you guys are wonderful, but at least I know the majority of you, or at least I feel comfortable in this space right here enough to get up and, and give the word of God to you. And even then it's daunting. It's just daunting. It's a big task to take on. And so when you go to another culture and you step in front of people that you don't know, and then you don't know their language, and then you're the little white kid from, from America, it's kind of like, I, I mean, I don't, okay, I'm going to do my best. And so I've had that, those opportunities. I was in Brazil once and was preaching out of Isaiah 26. 
And it was this is really cool. The translator, her and I had found this rhythm. This is probably a couple times we've been preaching through that two-week trip that we were down there together. And so when you're preaching through a translator, you kind of get through a phrase and you pause and it's translated. And then you get through a phrase and you pause and it's translated. If you get really good rhythm with your translator, you just keep going and your translator is keeping up with you. And that's a super fun thing. Have you ever had that, Pastor Keith? When you get into that rhythm, right? And you have a rhythm with the translator so you don't have to pause and wait and look at your translator going, I really hope you're saying what I just said because <laughs> you never really know. But so I got in this rhythm with this, with this gal who was translating for me and we go through this sermon. I'm like, I'm feeling pretty good about this sermon on Isaiah 26. And I was like, this is, this is great. And we get to the end and she kind of pulls me aside. She's like, Jason, I have to tell you something that I think is really funny. So Isaiah 26, eight says, yes, Lord, we walk in the ways of your laws. We, we wait for your name and your down as a desire of our souls. In the Portuguese Bible, the word yes, Lord, isn't translated for some reason. It's just not there. The words yes, Lord, were a really big part of my sermon. <laughs> and so I get to the end of the sermon. She's telling me this. I felt really great. She's like, yeah, I, I filled in. Don't worry about it. It's really awesome. I'm like, oh, great. You know, so there you're preaching for 30 minutes and you get to the end and you realize that the, one of the bigger points you have just didn't translate to the people. And so you're like, I really hope they got it. And I trusted her. I trusted her so much that she communicated the right things uh, in the right ways uh, to the people that are here. I had another opportunity where I was in Myanmar. Last time I was out of the country and uh, was off into this country church, this Mount Hill church, and they asked me to preach. And again, I don't know Burmese. I had no idea. And it was a little bit more off the cuff, last minute. Hey, will you come and do this? So I would be honored to. And so I get up there and, and our translator there, he and I had been together for a week at the this point where we've got this good rhythm. So we get up and it's one of these churches to where you have the, the stage area, but then their pulpit is raised up into the side, which is a really cool experience. I'm a short guy. And so being, when you can actually see everybody, it's fun. And so when you get up there and we're preaching through that and I was like, okay, I feel like this is pretty good. A little, I didn't have the rhythm with him as much as I had with the gal in, in Brazil, but it kind of worked out. It was, it was fun. It was just a, an honor to be a part of that. And we come down and close out the sermon, we come down and the pastor of the church gets up and begins to preach for the next hour and 15 minutes. And so my ego's like, well, did I say something wrong? Like, what's going on? Like, I just don't understand what's happening. And then my translator's like, you didn't say anything wrong. He actually valued the sermon so much that he wanted to make sure his people understood it. So he re-preached it. I was like, Okay, like, I don't know if that makes me feel any better, but like, that's awesome that we, the church service went for like two and a half hours. It was awesome. But there's this moment in times where as from a sense of preaching, you just, you really want to be understood. And if you don't feel like you're understood or what you're communicating comes across, it really does something in your head and in your mind, your heart and soul. And so in those moments, I realized, man, I just, I want what I'm being, what, I'm, what is being said, what the Spirit's speaking through me to be understood by the audience and the people that, that God has put in front of me. And in those two moments, I realized that it wasn't always the case. But I wonder what it's like when, in those moments, that it's not just, oh, someone can come up and correct the translation, but that someone is actually in disagreement with you to the point of now you're going to be persecuted for what you say. They're going to be seized out of that. I didn't have that experience. I had great people around me who just emphasized what was, the word was being spoken on those days and brought the truth out. Stephen, on the other hand, he's in this position where he's giving the word of God. He's sharing the gospel. He's speaking the truths of God's word to the people. And the people dispute him. 
They disagreed, not just to a point of like, yeah, I don't really know if I agree with you. I don't really know if that's true or not. Like, I don't, I just, I'm good. No, they, they dispute him. They argue with him. Almost to the point that you read into this passage a little bit, you wonder if like, are they like raising their fists and just wanting to take him down? But they, they gather all these people and they seize him. They take him, uh, kind of, I imagine wrapping him up or putting him in shackles and taking him to the council to put him on trial for what he's, being, what he's been saying about who God is, about Moses, about the law, about the gospel, about Jesus. I get to these places and I go, in my situations, I didn't have that. I wasn't under this fear of being persecuted or seized or or thrown into jail. But Stephen did in his moment. He was just giving the word of God and all that he had learned and saying, you all need to know this truth, this power of what God is doing. It's so important for you. You need to understand that this person of Jesus came. He died on the cross. He rose from the grave and he's going to do all these incredible things. He's already done them. You've seen some of those things in in play, in action for some of you. And he's going to come back. And when he comes back, he's going to redeem his people. He's going to reconcile his people. He's going to rebuild the church for the glory of God. And he steps in these moments and people start just getting angry and fist fighting and going after and and wanting to take control and and basically just shut him up from being able to speak these truths. And by creating these lies around him saying what he's saying is not true, what he's saying is is inaccurate, they're a misinformation. There's a term we hear a lot in our age. They're lies, they're they're inaccuracies. he, He has no clue what he's saying. He's just trying to stir up trouble. So let's pause for a second and let's go back to last week because here's the interesting thing about Stephen. He was chosen as a deacon, as a servant for a very specific purpose. He was given a task. His task was not to be a a preacher or an evangelist. Uh, His his task was to, to serve food to the widows and the orphans. He, he was there to, to make sure that the, the resources that were given to, to serve and to feed the widows in the community was managed and cared for well, that everyone was able to receive what they were in need of. Even going back to Acts 2, we see this as a part of the Acts church. And it just wasn't happening in an efficient way. So Stephen came in essentially to be the Chick-fil-A for their day, like to create efficiencies to make sure everyone's being fed. Amen? Amen. That's right, except for on Sunday. So let's not talk about it. Um, So you have these moments that you think, wow, Stephen, what are you doing in verse 8? Because all you were supposed to do was hand out food. Stephen was given a task and he was given a task because he's full of spirit and wisdom. It was part of the defining job description of what they were looking for. The apostles said, we need people of good repute, a great reputation that are full of spirit. The presence of the Holy Spirit was with them and wisdom. They may were able to make decisions on, on what they were doing. I think Pastor Keith said it this way. Wisdom is doing what is right without precedent, not knowing what's coming, but I'm able to make a wise decision, a good decision for the people around me, even though we haven't, don't have the precedence leading up to it. That was his task. But here's a beautiful thing about Stephen. He just didn't look at the task. He saw the mission. 
He saw the mission. I think Stephen was, was brought out by Luke as he was writing this because he saw both and. He was given a beautiful, a powerful task to serve the community, to make sure they received the need and the resources that they had and, and that everyone was fed, that those who needed care, that they received it. And he took that task on. He said, yes, I'm in, like, let's go. But the very next thing we see in Stephen's life in the story, in the narrative, is not him handing out food because he understood the mission. The mission that Jesus gave him to say, you need to go into all the world and preach the gospel to baptize people in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit to let them know about who I am, what I have done, and that it is about my glory, my kingdom, and my kingdom to come just like Jesus did in his ministry. And the first thing we see Stephen do after he's set aside, consecrated to do ministry in that way, similar to what we just did with Chelsea, he went out and said, I get my task, I'll do that, but I'm not giving up on the mission. And I'm gonna do that as well. And here we are, Stephen's whole ministry that we get to see him in, is taking the mission of God forward. And he's, he's seized, he's persecuted because of it. So church, let me encourage you with this. We need volunteers as a church. We need tasks. We have tasks that we can get your hands on. And, and so many of you, we are a church that serves. And I've loved that about the DNA of Westwood Church. And we need you to jump in. The task is so important. The role to serve is so, so important. One thing I see in American church is that we show up on Sunday and we do our task and then we check out for the rest of the week. We leave the mission aside and we say, hey, that's the pastor's job. He works one day a week on Sunday, so he'll get her done, right? That's what I used to think about my dad. I was like, you don't do anything. You just preach on Sunday for like 30, 40 minutes and you're done. Not sure. But there's a sense of we, we forget mission along the way, or we think the mission is someone else's responsibility. As followers of Jesus, the mission should be our hearts, our breath, everything about who we are. We should just bleed and breathe and overflow the mission of the gospel of Jesus. And along the way, we get to do these tasks to serve the local church and God's people. And that's such a beautiful thing, but we can't separate the two. It's not one or the other. They're joined together. Stephen's life is a great example of that. Great example of that. But as, even as I was going through this for myself, realizing, man, that's good. Like, I get that. I get this task and mission. I want to dive into that and live that out and, and model that and show that and invite people in to, to hear the news of Jesus and what he's done for them and who he is for them, the hope and the glory that is found in Jesus. And that's so good. But I don't live in a place to where persecution or, or being seized is a threat for my life. And so it kind of just makes it a little easier for me and not just easier to get it done, but it easier to ignore it, I think. But I also think that in our day and age as Americans, even though we don't have the threat of a culture or a government that's trying to squash us or throw us in prison because we believe in the name of Jesus and what he's done for our lives, I think our culture is also trying to squash and push away our voices for the gospel, the purpose of the mission. 
And I honestly think that even in this last year, we've had that squashed and suppressed even more so. And the debates and the, the cultural situations has risen up so much. The voices become so loud that even some with the wrong message has spoken up higher. And that those who are just honestly, truly wanting to follow after Jesus and, and see people come to know have had their voices suppressed. Sometimes I feel like we get in those situations to where we can't um, feel confident that we can run into those places and, and talk about our walk with the Lord and say, this is what God has done in my life. This is what he is shaping in me. And I just want to share that with you. I want you to know that same truth, that same hope, that same grace from that shame and that fear that you may feel because he's met me in that way too. But it's hard in our world because there's a lot of really loud voices and noise out there right now. I dumped all of my social media about a year plus ago. And a lot of that was because I couldn't stand the noise. I couldn't stand the noise because what it was doing, it was discouraging my heart from really fulfilling a task, but it was definitely pushing me back from like, I just don't even want to share the mission because if this is all that's out there, like, I don't even know how to do it. And I lost confidence and I lost pace and I lost this, this thing because the culture was just so crunching down on me. And this message is not about you getting rid of your social media, but recognizing that we do have these things that are trying to squash that. And I believe the enemy, that the devil is trying to take that and he can't crush us. He can't take anything away from us, but he sure can try to square us in or block us off or, or cl cloud over our ears just enough that we can't hear it. Is it in screw tape letters? That C.S. Lewis writes, it's not about like crushing them or, or taking, but it's just distract them enough. If we can distract them enough, we'll stop them from moving forward. So in a world and a place where our voices are getting squashed, where people are debating the gospel and the truth in a way, or they're trying to bring up another truth that who knows, I don't even know anymore. I can't even speak into that anymore. But when it pushes back on the truth of the gospel and we've got to work harder, we've got to serve more, we got to love in different ways, when we've got to be on task and on mission in our world, what gives us the strength to do that? And I really believe Stephen's story unfolds that for us because Stephen is a remarkable man. He's a remarkable man in this, in this moment because he was drawn out with a purpose and, and, and we learned so much about who he is. So I just want to pull out some of the descriptors of who Stephen is as he's living on task and mission. First and foremost, he was appointed because he has a good reputation and he's full of spirit, the Holy Spirit. He's not like happy spirit. He's full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. He's wise. And that was a job description for him as he's coming into that. And then we see that set apart for him because when they chose Stephen, he's the only one to give me these descriptors. Again, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. Here's a cool little side note. In that list, there's a guy named Philip and Nicholas too. They also understood task and mission. I'm not saying that the other guys didn't, but we hear their stories later on. Where the mission of the gospel of Jesus went out to Samaria and Antioch through these two men because they understood they have a task to serve, but they all have a mission to follow. 
And so there's just a note that'll come later in Acts and we'll see that and that's something to celebrate. But Stephen was a man full of faith and again, Holy Spirit. And then in verse eight, Stephen, once again, full of grace and power. And then we look down uh, near the end, he, he had this face like an angel. The whole presence of, of Stephen was significant. And I really, really believe that these things are what Luke is drawing out because he's helping us understand that, that when we dwell in this place, when we put ourselves in this, this place, we will have the strength to withstand the debate, the dispute, the persecution, whatever that may be for us. We will be able to be stand within the, the arguments and the loud noise and to stand firm, to stand strong, as scripture tells us all throughout from, from Joshua and, and, and the, um, the story of Moses all the way through Revelation. We see stand firm on the truth, on the rock of what we, we know to, to be the presence and the power and the glory of God. And so Stephen has these things. And so as these, these, uh, these men of the, the synagogue of the freedmen, just, these guys were basically freed out of some kind of captivity, probably from Rome. And they gathered in their synagogue. There are synagogues throughout Jerusalem that sat uh, below the Temple Mount. Theirs was probably a little bit south of the Temple Mount. And so they gathered these men from all over, and they were hearing Stephen preach and teach the word, and, and they didn't like what they were hearing. And a lot of that kind of goes back to verse 7, because in the movement of the service that was happening, and the movement of the gospel, to the, it says, a great many of priests became obedient to the faith. Now, if you're a priest and you're becoming obedient to the faith, probably Sadducees very likely that these men, these priests, before they found and understood the truth of Jesus, they were saying Jesus actually didn't rise from the dead. They don't believe in the resurrection. For, so for their transformation of the work of God in their lives was a big deal. Not only that, they were the ones that were supposed to lead and serve the temple and the church. And so all of a sudden, their lives have changed and they're doing other things. And then all these others are coming in to be served in this way. And the priests are doing different things because now they're on task and mission. That frustrated people. So Stephen is going up against a lot. And he's being taken in and, and putting before the council. And I love it that they're, they're trying to create, I don't love that they were trying to do this, but I love how Stephen's life just stood strong in the midst of it. They were secretly instigating. They were creating lies about him. And then they were putting people, hey, will you come and do this? Just say these things in front of the council so we can pin this guy down. Let's just, let's just get something that we can stop him from speaking. And so they're pinning people in that they weren't even a part of the storyline. They just found if, if, talk about having a story of reputation. Let's go find the people out there that can just tell lies really well. Let's get them into the debate. And so they're instigating, they're going against Stephen, but Stephen continues to stay strong in the midst of this. Because even when they are debating with him, they could not withstand his wisdom. And again, the spirit, the presence of the Holy Spirit with which was he speaking. They tried with everything they had. They tried to throw everything at him. And Stephen was like, all right, here's the truth. Here's the power of God, the work of Jesus for you. And they couldn't, they couldn't dispute that. His words are so rooted and so strong that they couldn't figure out any way to get around that. And they continued to work against him and against him and against him. But Stephen stood strong. And here's why I think he did. One, he had the presence of the Holy Spirit. 
We see that right there from the point, the time that he was appointed to his role and his task to how he handled and, and, and spoke with these men about the gospel. He had the presence of the spirit with him. And because of that, you, we know that he had his understanding of the word, and we're gonna see that more next week, his depth of his understanding of, of the story of God come out because he spent this time with the spirit. I can't imagine that Stephen was a, a follower of Jesus for too long. You know, maybe from the beginning of Jesus' ministry, so there's a few years and, and we got another five years going on. So, you know, early on, he's a fairly new believer somewhere in this time frame. But yet he's still rich in understanding of the story of God because he's, he spent time in that. The only way to know and, and to be, be, be enriched with the story of God is to spend time in the story of God. The only way to, to, to see this power of the Spirit work in you and through you in this way is to be putting yourself in the presence of the Spirit and recognize, Spirit, you're here. The song that we sang, like, Holy Spirit, come and fill this place. It's not just that filling this room. It's making sure that you're creating every moment, every nook and cranny in your soul and your life that I don't want anything to stop the Spirit from moving in me. So if I've got sin, I'm gonna get that out so there's more room. If I've got this stuff, I'm gonna get that out because there's more room. If I got this anger or this hurt or this pain, I'm gonna try to get that out whatever way I can so there's more room because I just want the Spirit to fill me and work through me. And Stephen had found that place and that was one of those things, the Spirit and wisdom in him, being word and worship in him, that he was able to withstand and stand firm amongst the persecution. But I believe this service stood out as well because his obedience to serve, he was willing to step out into a place of serving the community, the church. He was willing to say, I will do whatever it takes to be on task and mission. And as a result of that, you can see the Spirit begin to move through him because you open yourself up to be a tool for the work of the Spirit through you. You say, hey, here's my tool belt, God. I, I might be a hammer or a screwdriver or whatever you picture you want to put there and say, however you can use me, use me. He was willing. And the Lord, if you want me to distribute food, I will do that. If you want me to hand out worship guides, I will do that. If you want me to get behind a camera, I will do that. If you want me to, to go out and, and, and carry baskets from here to there, I will do that. If you want me to get out and paint walls, I will do that. I'm willing and I'm obedient, believing that. It's not just me putting a skill to task. It's me putting my willingness and my obedience to the work of the Lord to task. And I won't still lose sight of the mission because those things are joined together. He had this willingness to serve. He understood what, what John and what Jesus said in the book of John, that we are to love one another. And as we love others, they will know that we are followers of Jesus. That as a part of, I want people to know I'm not ashamed of, of the work of Jesus in my life. I want to love others so they know that I'm following after Jesus. And then there's this place of faith and grace and power in him. And I believe this faith and this grace and this power that we see through the storyline is what gave Stephen his presence of peace and confidence. And I believe that's what we see in him coming in verse 15 and gazing at him. All the men in the council all sat and saw that his face was like the face of an angel. We see this another place in scripture, Exodus 34, when Moses came down from the mountain, his face was like the face of an angel. 
This is not new for us in the story of God. And the interesting thing that we learned from Moses that I really believe we can apply here to Stephen, Moses' face reflected the glory of God because he was in the presence of God. Stephen, in the most, the, this moment of persecution and, and trial, his face shined like that of an angel because in his life, he dwelled in the presence of God. We see that also because it talks about in a few different places that he was full of the Holy Spirit because he dwells in the presence of God. We understand that he understands the word and we're gonna see it again next week but we understand that because he's dwelling in the presence of God and his word, understanding the word is God. And I love what we can dig from that church because we're gonna face some things throughout our lives. We've already faced some things. Some of you guys are in positions, maybe in your marriage, in your workplace, in your businesses, maybe in relationships uh, with your kids, with your friends and your neighbors. And the voices and the noise is getting louder and louder. And you're just like, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna try just to do my task and get that done. And the mission thing, like, I don't know. I don't, I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to share the gospel. I don't know how to step into that. But, but if we hold in, we learn from Stephen that let's first start by putting ourselves in the presence of God. And out of that, the work of the spirit in us, he's gonna shape us to do great things through us. And Stephen lived in that world that when, we, when he welcomed the presence of the spirit, he welcomed the experience of the power of God through him. And I believe that's where we can be as a church in our day and age as well. Because we do have people that are fighting against truth. We do have people that are fighting against the gospel. We do have people that are fighting against uh, the power of God in their lives. And it may be very dull fighting. <laughs> they just may choose to ignore it or say, that's good for you, but it's not good for me. Or there's many ways and it's fine. And it's all that stuff. There's lots of ways to, to dullify. That's not a word, but let's just use it. Um, to make this dull enough to say, I don't need to pay any attention to it. But when we as believers, as followers of Jesus, embrace the presence of the spirit in our lives as Stephen did. We can stand firm in the persecution. When we're seized by our own fear, or we're seized by other people trying to, to place fear on us. When we're seized by our own shame or when people are trying to put shame on us, we can stand firm. Because the power of God that in the chance, change and transformation he is in us, he is working through us. And it all has to start there. We see that in his life. And man, do I believe in the depth of my soul that that spirit that Stephen experienced and knew is the same spirit that if you have a relationship with Jesus that dwells in you. If you're not walking with the Lord today, it's the same spirit that is knocking on the door, beckoning upon your heart to say, I have something powerful for you. I just want you to step into it. I just want you to know who I am and, and what I've done and, and that fear and that guilt and that shame that you may feel. That, that the lack of, of, of 
power or presence or whatever you feel like. I don't have a voice. I want to give that to you. I want to give you a voice for task and for mission to take the gospel to new places. I want to use you to do things that you can't even imagine you could do. That spirit's there for you. And church, all we really have to do is step into it and say, yes, Lord, I'm here. And to work and to see and allow the spirit to start moving into us that changes who we are. That people begin to see that. So your reputation, similar to Stephen's, starts to rise up. So there's something different about this person, about this man, this woman, this kid. There's, there's something different about them. They, they stand out to me for some reason. And look how they live their lives. They're willing to go out and serve no matter, like that's just unique, that's different. It's not just about raising a banner of social justice. It's about truly desiring justice and love and grace for all people so that they can know the power of Jesus. There's something different about that person. And then in those moments, when the spirit moves and you're with your friend and a neighbor and maybe in front of all of your coworkers at all of your classrooms or all of your whatever else, the spirits will say, you need to speak this truth now. Trust me. And I love just how Chelsea shared her own story. That in that moment, I'm so excited and absolutely terrified all in the same moment. I frankly pray for those moments when we're so excited to see God do something and we're absolutely terrified because in that moment, the only thing we can do is say, okay, God, this one's up to you. I'm present and I'm here and I'm willing and I'm obedient and I trust that your power is greater to overcome any of my obstacles. Any, even in my own internal obstacles, I trust that you can overcome those. Any of the obstacles I don't have control of, they're outside of me. I trust in your power and your grace to do that. Stephen stood in that place. He trusted in that moment. The power and the work of the spirit in him, but also through him. So as we continue worship this morning, I wanna encourage you all that first and foremost, Jesus came to die and um, for your sin. He came to die because he wants to reconcile you to how he and what he created you for a relationship with him. And he said, I'm not just gonna die for those things, I'm gonna conquer death because that's the mission. And so you know what? He's here for you. And the strength he's gonna give you through the power of his death and his resurrection, that, that power of the resurrection is gonna give you the strength you need to stand in those greatest moments. And I just wanna invite you guys to step into that place of the spirit and to allow the spirit to, to, to minister to you, to speak truth into you, that he can use you to do great things, no matter what you may think of yourself or what others have told you that you can and cannot do. that there's a place where you can put your hands to work and do the task. But there's a purpose for your life to be on mission for the gospel of Jesus and see others come to know him. Every one of us in this room, any of us at home online, get to be a part of the power of the Holy Spirit and the work of God to create and to see these God stories come to life. And what I see in Stephen in these passages, when he was seized, when he was taken, to have the face like of an angel, that there's a peace and confidence in the power of God. And we just trust in that. So I wanna invite you guys into that presence, that place of the Holy Spirit.
I believe the spirit of God dwells here, not just when we're here, but he's kind of waiting. He shows up there early. He's the first one in the door, so to speak. And he's like, I just want my church to gather because I have something for them today. I want to speak life and hope and truth in them today. And I want to speak through them today. So church, will you do me a favor? Will you just close your eyes? I don't know what you're coming with today and um, trial, struggle, hurt, frustration. But even in our, our, our desire to see prayer become a continued movement in our church, to, to be able to look down at our bracelets and say, I'm gonna remember to pray or I'm gonna go after the service and write my name on that board because I wanna pray for what God will use uh, a new resource, a new place for us to gather in for his glory in the city. I, I, that's putting yourself in the presence of Jesus by having a conversation with him. But sometimes some, we just need to settle our hearts and our minds enough to stop speaking and let the power of God fill in every nook and cranny of our hearts, our souls, our minds to push all the lies and the guilt and the shame through the power of the work of Jesus on the cross and through his resurrection out of us so that we are fully filled in the presence of the Holy Spirit that he's now overflowing and working through us on task and on mission for the glory of God and his gospel. And he wants to use each of you through that. So even as we go into this next song, to take the moments and allow the spirit to, to move in you and to speak to your heart. And some of you have this running conversation going on already. Lord, I, Lord, I, Lord, I kind of, even what we heard in Chelsea's testimony, quiet your voice and let the voice of God speak and come into the presence of God with open hands. And we're gonna sing a song called Here I Am to Worship. Truly an oldie, but a goodie. To be able to come and say, Lord, I am gonna come before you open-handed to say, similar like Stephen, Lord, I wanna be on task and on mission. And even when I feel seized and taken and pushed down and argued with. I wanna stand firm for your glory and for the beauty of the gospel. Speak, Lord, speak. So let's spend the next few minutes just letting the Lord speak to our souls in and through this song and in this place today. <laughs>